message I want to share really applies to all of our lives, but I really, I had the graduates in mind as I put down these thoughts. It's not a typical message, um, but I think it's, it's one that, um, that is from the Lord in a moment like this to remind us of some things that uh, are, I think, cardinal virtues, if you will. And uh, again, I want to congratulate all the graduates. Uh, and we recognize, and I hope you understand, that it is a, a major achievement um, that you're experiencing in these days. And before you know it, decades will pass. And you'll, you will not believe that your graduation was that long ago. Uh, but it is, a, it is a crucial moment in your lives. And congratulations for completing your uh, studies and for receiving that diploma. We're proud of you. Your parents are proud of you. Uh, your parents um, are a little bit tearful. On, on the one hand, they're tearful for the ones who are leaving home, and then some of them, some of them are tearful for the ones who aren't leaving home. So I, I, don't, know, I don't know how you land in the sweet spot there. Uh, I, I told someone uh, some time ago, I said, uh, Tommy left home a, a series of times. He, he had different ventures he went after. And I told him, I said, we cried the first three times he left, and we cried the last time he came back. Um, but life is a journey. The words I want to share with you are from my heart. Um, I didn't get them out of a book, so to say. But if there is a book involved, it's the Bible. Um, because I think there's scriptural uh, foundation for all of what I want to share with you today. And to begin with, there's a verse that I can remember way back when I first got saved as a teenager, and it was a verse that held great meaning for me as a teenager who was following the call of God upon my life. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12 and says, Let no one despise you for your youth, 
but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. It used to be that we would say things like this in the church, that the youth are the church of tomorrow. Remember when we would say that? And then we came to realize, no, they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. They're very much a part of the mix of what God is doing as he places the members in the body. And so my charge to these young graduates is uh, don't let your youth ever be an excuse. Uh, let it be a reason that you devote yourself to be that example that God would have you to be in the midst of people. Now, let me share some things. Truth from Scripture and truth that I think we find in life. And first of all, I want to say, God made you. And nobody knows you like God knows you. And that's true for all of us. It's true for our graduates. He's given you strengths, and there are woven into your being uh, what are, may be perceived as weaknesses, but maybe they're not. Maybe it's just the unique mix that allows you to be that person that is like no other person who walks the planet. God made you. You're a masterpiece. And alongside of that, he loves you. And nobody loves you like the Lord loves you. Uh, for someone to give his only son, who did not deserve to die, but who would become the death that is our salvation, that's love. When you give someone for others, and God gave his only son that we might be saved, and so nobody loves you like God loves you. There is a piece of eternity in you that the world did not put there. And because of that, there is a longing in your heart that only God can fill. And the longer you live, the more you know that's the truth. I, re I remember hearing an old country song years ago, and it had this little line in there that said, All that glitters is not gold. And the longer you live, the more you find that statement to be the truth. God has created us mo for more than what material wealth can bring to us. And so allow Him to fill that place in your life, that you might always have that peace, uh, that perfect peace that only he can bring to your, to your experience. Pray about everything. There's a scripture that says, don't worry about anything, but I worry, don't you? Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. I'm telling you, pray about everything. There's nothing that is too small for your prayer list, and there's nothing that is too impossible for your prayer list. Pray about everything and make prayer a part of your daily existence. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonian believers and said, pray without ceasing. Prayer ought to be like spiritual breathing for us where we are breathing out, exhaling all of our concerns and inhaling the blessings and the, the majesty that God is wanting to bring in answer to those prayers. So pray about everything, and then let the Bible be your guide in life. And if the Bible is going to be our guide, then we must open the Bible, amen? 
We need to be people of the book. I'm telling you, we need to read the Bible every day. And I'm not saying that it has to be large portions of Scripture. There are times that I go to the Scripture and my day is such that I do a brief reading. Now, I always do my daily reading. I'm that kind of a creature. But sometimes I will go beyond the daily reading and, and I'll feel drawn to, to maybe read even a, a whole New Testament book at one setting and just see the entire context of it. But I'm telling you that the Bible holds all of the answers that we're looking for as we journey through life. And so let the Bible be your guide. And know this, that when people stand against the truth of the Bible, they're wrong. The Bible is always right. It is the inspired, infallible Word of God. And there's a lot about that mystery that we don't understand when it comes to the inspiration of His Word, but I'm telling you, His Word is sure, and it stands through the ages. Jesus said this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. And so it is worthy to be your guide in life. And then let me say this, love everybody all the time. Boy, that's a tall order. Some people are easier to love than others. If you're with me, say amen. amen. If you've got a face in your, in your mind, say amen. amen. Some, but love everybody all the time. I was introduced to the, the writings of Bob Goff um, by Mandy Beasley some years ago. And I've, I've read, I think, all of his books. And the thesis of his books are love does. Love is not just a philosophy, it is action. And so when, when I encourage you as graduates and as people of the Lord to love everybody all the time, it's a tall order. But I'm telling you, if we set our course to be that kind of a person, God will assist us in carrying through on that mission. Without His grace, I think it probably is impossible to love everybody all the time. But by His grace, it's possible. As a matter of fact, adopt this verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Love everybody all the time. Live with genuine humility. Don't let humility be hypocritical. Don't pretend to be humble. Ask God to make you truly a humble human being. It will serve you well. It will serve your family well. It will serve your community well. If you live in the genuineness of humility, help someone every day with some random act of kindness. Every day find an opportunity before you lay your head on your pillow to know that you have done something to make someone's life better, if, if only for a moment. Kindness can change the world. Laugh often. The Bible says, laughter doeth good like a medicine. It's true. There's something that happens in our bodies when we are given to laughter. I love to hear people laugh. I love to make people laugh. I, laughter is, is so important to a well-balanced existence. Look for the humor. Look for the levity in life. Look for the humorous and share that with one another as you make your way through life. Live your life in such a way that you are worthy to be someone else's hero. Find a hobby 
that refreshes your soul. If golf makes you cuss, that's not your hobby. <laughs> Find a hobby that refreshes your soul, not something that frustrates you. Find something that you, that you can do that allows you to really kick it into neutral. It's important, y'all. We can't go full speed ahead seven days a week, you know, 16, 20 hours a day. We need rest. That's why God gave us the Sabbath. We misunderstand the Sabbath. The reason the Sabbath is holy is because God knows that we need to trust him more and relax more. The Sabbath is about, God, I don't have to work today because you hold the whole world in your hands. I can trust you to take care of me. So way back yonder, when they gathered manna in the wilderness, God said, every day gather enough manna for the day. Don't store it up, just daily bread. If you try to store it up, it's going to rot. And sure enough, it did. But he said, on, on the day uh, before Sabbath, gather two days' supply, and I'll see you through, and it, it, won't, cor it won't corrode, it won't rot. And sure enough, God answered that promise, and it's important for us to have something that allows us to have leisure in our lives. Leisure and laughter are so very important to a well-balanced life. Now, this is an old one, but I'm telling you, there's value in it. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Good intentions will leave you in poverty. And I'm not just talking about materially. I'm talking about in life. Plan like everything depends on you and pray like everything depends on God. That's a good one. I don't know where I got that. That's not original with me. I read it somewhere, heard it somewhere along the way, but it's absolutely the truth. Plan like everything depends on you and pray like everything depends on God. For after all, we are in a divine partnership with our Creator. Forgive others without delay. Because the longer you delay, the more miserable you're going to be. It's just the truth. And know this, one of, the, one of the ways you can learn to forgive quickly is to understand that you just can't fix people. And that if you did make them like you, they would still be imperfect. Forgive. Life's too short. And if there's someone that like golf... <laughs> makes you cuss, maybe you need to put a little bit of distance there, amen? But you can forgive even if there's a distance of sorts, but forgive and do it quickly. Believe in the impossible because all things are possible with God. If someone says to you that your dream is too big, know that their dreams are too small. Don't live to please others but live to please Him and to bring a, a sense of satisfaction to your own life. There will always be people along your pathway who will try to distract you or discourage you in the goals that you've established for yourself. Here's the thing about goals. We all need them, 
But we also need to understand that sometimes goals evolve. It starts as one thing, but it becomes something different as God perfects his will in our lives. And so know that it's important to have goals, but it's important to be flexible as you're reaching for those goals. And those goals are not about making everybody else happy. It's about making your life worth the living. Don't sweat the small stuff. Quit with the road rage. Just let them go. If they pull in front of you, just let them go. Just let them go. Um, don't sweat the small stuff. Be hopeful and persevere when life is di difficult, and life will be difficult. If it hasn't already been difficult, it will be. Difficulties will come. But learn to be hopeful and learn to just live today, live in the moment that God has blessed you with. Because the truth is, when we enslave ourselves with the past or with the future to the point that we miss the moment, what's living for anyway? If you fall, get back up. Are you going to fall? Mm -hmm. If you fail, try again. They told me when I was a kid, and that horse threw me off. Get back on that horse. And I said, I am not going to get back on that horse. I might get on a different horse, but I'm not getting back on that horse. So learn. Learn from the falls. Learn from the failures. Maybe you do need to make a course direction, but don't give up. Don't bury yourself in those moments of loss. Choose your close friends and heroes carefully. If your friends are producing a not-so-good version of yourself, it might be time to change your friendships. There's a thing called synergy or chemistry, and it's real. And when, with, when you're with certain people, there's a good chemistry, and sometimes when you're with some people it's a bad chemistry it doesn't mean that necessarily they're bad people or you're bad people but your association is not a good association and so it's not about blaming it's not about playing the victim it's about recognizing I'm in a toxic moment here I need to move in a different direction and the best way to do that is quietly not talk to your friends about it or or not try to to make someone else look like the villain, but just to quietly escape and move in a different direction. All the while praying for something good to happen in the lives of all of those people who have been a part of our social interaction. But believe me, the Bible says, bad company, 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company, corrupts good character. And there are going to be times when you just need to make a decision that is the best decision, not an easy decision, but make it with grace, make it with quietness, and just move in a different direction. Never stop learning. Every year I say, read a book. And I have people come to me every year and they say, I don't read. Okay, do... However you learn, 
Never stop learning. Always take that next step. Always look to someone who can be a mentor to help you journey to a new place in your life endeavor. Never stop learning. Listen more intently to people and speak less. And when you speak, speak more graciously. We've all had these people in our lives who say, I know you're not going to like this, but I'm just going to tell you. And I don't know about you, but that's the moment I want to just walk away. Lord, help me to say what will be helpful and encouraging to another human being. And help me to say it with grace. And if I don't have something good to say, let me hear the voice of my 91-year-old dad who says still to this day, if you don't have something good to say, then don't say anything at all. Lord, give me that kind of grace in my relationships. Travel to faraway places and see wondrous things for yourself. There's something about the trips that Becky and I have been blessed to make that are a part of the fabric of who we are now. Like the church was so gracious. Um, on our 20th anniversary, you gave us a trip to California. And I'll never forget riding the bus into the Valley of Yosemite and seeing El Capitan, that granite face, and seeing people, crazy people, climbing up the side of that mountain and then looking through binoculars and seeing someone who hung a tent on the side of that mountain to spend the night. What? I, we were scared to stay in the lodge on the valley floor because they said raccoons might get on the, in, in the room. And these people were sleeping on the side of a granite cliff. But I'll never forget seeing that. I'll never forget experiencing Half Dome. I'll never forget the ride down the coastal highway. There's something about traveling and experiencing these places that you've seen, but you've not experienced for yourself. I'm telling you, I really believe that next to being generous in supporting the needs of those who are left less fortunate, the next best investment for my dollar has been traveling. Going to the Holy Land, life-changing. Seeing places that I had seen in magazines or on television and going there and experiencing them for myself. There's something to be said for traveling to faraway places and seeing wondrous things for yourself. Now, some of you are going to have to just settle for the United States because you won't get on an airplane. And I, okay, all right. But at least cross the Watery River, will you? Go across the Santee. Uh, stretch yourself and go across the Savannah River and venture out and see all of what God has created and watch how it can feed your very being to be in the midst of all of that. Oh boy, here's one. Honor your father and mother and respect your elders. It's, it sounds uh, old-fashioned, and some of you young graduates are saying, well, we would expect you to say something like that. But listen to me. When my dad 
opens up and begins to tell me stories about his childhood, I realize I'm 68 years old, he's 91 years old, he's been places I will never have the opportunity to visit. He's been in circumstances that I have never lived in the midst of. I'll never be where he was. Honoring your father and mother and respecting your elders allows you to treasure who they are, to take a moment to revere how they have become the people they are. And there's something to be passed on from generation to generation when we just slow down and listen carefully to the stories they have to tell. The last time I visited with Dad, we're riding along, and he starts talking to me about when he went in the Army. His dad had to sign for him to go into the Army. He was 17 years old. His mother died when he was 16 years old. He went in the Army, and he said, that was my first experience of living where there was indoor plumbing. Now, the younger generation's tempted to say, oh, gross. But stop and think about the character of the individuals who lived in such a, in such a circumstance in such a time. So respect your elders. Listen to them. Listen to their stories. You'll be amazed at how all of that fits to make you a better human being. Don't waste your life. It's going to go by faster than you think. Every once in a while. I don't know how often this will happen. Hopefully, daily. But every once in a while. Right in the middle of life, ask, what would Jesus do? If I am following him, if I value his saving touch on my life, I really want to stop and consider what would he do right now? In this moment with this person, what what would Jesus do? And then do that. When he brings it to your awareness, do it. Would you just close your eyes and reflect for a moment? Some of you have already walked across the stage and received your diploma, and some that's going to be this week, and for others the next week, but it's upon you. And after all of the fanfare that is associated with your graduation, you're going to be a month or two down the road, and then it's, it's going to hit you. Wow, I just can't believe everything that's happened. I can't believe I'm really out of school. I can't believe when fall rolls around, I'm not going to be going back 
to that school. I'm not going to be in those classrooms. I'm not going to be in that locker room. I'm not going to be in that gymnasium or on that field. It, now it's a part of my history. I want you to take just a moment to think about graduates. I want you to think about what's happened. Let's narrow it in your high school years. And as you think about your high school years, what would you thank God for this morning? Is it a teacher? Is it a friend? Is it a, a moment when the lights came for, on for you in that particular subject matter? What, what are those moments in high school that have made you a better person? For those of you who graduated 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever. What do, you, what do you have still in your heart today when you look back at your high school experience that you would say, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for that person. Thank you for that moment. Thank you for what happened in that in that particular time of my life. Lord, we live at such a pace, it seems, that sometimes we lose track of what is important as we're just trying to get through, just trying to survive the moment, the demand that's pressing in that particular time. Lord, we recognize that the reason graduation is called commencement is because it's not the end, it's the beginning. It's be the beginning of a new opportunity because now the tools have been received that would render a person as, as educated, formally educated. This person can read, this person can reason, this person can think about philosophical matters because of the training that has been happening for all of these years. And so now, it's the opportunity to graduate to a, a new level, a new tier of life. And there's excitement, but there's also apprehension. There's goals, but then there's also questions. There's excitement, but there's also a little bit of fear. But Lord, we want to thank you for these graduates, and we confess before you today that this church is a better church because of them, and this world is a better place because of them. And there are contributions to be made in and through their lives that will make all of us better people. And so we thank you for the promise that is ours because of this significant moment in their lives. Lord, help us to love everybody all the time, Help us to pray about everything. Help us to do what Jesus would do. Help us to be kind and gracious and respectful people. Keep us humble. Lord, we pray that when we get to the end of this life, that we will be able to look back and say, it was a journey well spent. It was not a wasted life, but a life that made a difference, not only for those 
I shared life with, but for those I leave behind. Lord, thank you for this day, and I pray that, that you would bless the graduates and their families in ways that go beyond what we know to ask for. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I come to you, let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from the grace I found in you. Lord, I come to know. Oh,